We have been in a series in the book of Revelation, and uh, we are in some interesting areas in it, but I have felt led of the Lord last week to deviate from that because of the day and the times in which we're living. There's some, a lot of crucial things going on in the world right now. I, uh, I have chosen to do the same today, and I have a Bible lesson that I feel like God has given me for this class this morning, and uh, I'm going to uh, talk to you here from my heart on some things that I feel like God has dealt with me about. I had a, a lesson, our lesson in Revelation is already prepared, and God uh, spoke to me very definitely to teach what I'm going to teach on here this morning. And uh, I just want to just tell you here that there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, and I've never seen America like it is today. I can remember Pearl Harbor. I can remember 9-11, the bombing of the Trade Towers, and the uneasiness and many other things that's happened along the way and all those things. But there's something going on in the world today and in America that I feel like is very important for us to understand where we are as a church. And I want to talk to you here about we as a church and what it means for us to be who we are and how we should be in that role that we play in this world. Amen. The church is a vital, vitally important uh, entity in the world today. God is using the church. And I believe that the coming of the Lord is very near. Last week, as you well know, if you were here, uh, in our morning, both our morning services, our messages in tongues, interpretation. And in both of them, the Lord just said, uh, go straight ahead, march. I think the last one, he said, march. I didn't hear the first one. I just heard about it. And, uh, and, and then at the end of both of them, it was, I, was, I am coming very soon. And I honestly believe that the coming of the Lord is near. But at the same time, God is wanting the church to get in a place and a position that he can use us mightily in the last days. Because I think there is going to be a need for us to be what we need to be so that God can do the work that he wants to do in these last days to reach a lot of souls. I think there's a lot of people there that's wondering, where are we? What? Where are we in prophecy? Where are we in all in the coming of the Lord? Is God really, is Jesus really coming back? All these kind of things that's in their heart and mind. And a lot of people are backsliders. And they are beginning to wonder now, is this the time of the Lord's coming? And while it is, yet it's a time for many of them to get back to the Lord and, and get their place with God and secure themselves in the Lord. The Bible says God is just to forgive and he is a great forgiver. And I don't care where people are. I don't care what they wandered back off out into in the world. Jesus wants to save them. He wants to bring them to him. Praise God. Uh, I want to talk to you about, I've named my subject here, the power behind commitment. The power behind commitment. And I want you to turn with me, if you will, will to the 17th chapter of uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, this is a subject that we talked about last week to some degree, but on a, in a different way. And this is about David fighting Goliath. But I want you to, I want to point out something to you here today that I wrestled with for 
I don't know, for a long time, and God gave me the answer. I was going to, I was, I was, I was scheduled to preach a youth rally down in South Florida, and I was going down Highway 1. We didn't have 95 back then. I was going down Highway 1, driving down to this church where I was to speak, and I kept wrestling with this scripture, and God gave me the answer to it. And uh, since that time, I've spoken on it a few times. It's also been passed along to some of our other preachers, and they have preached on it. I even had one one minister apologize to me for preaching it in a, where I was sitting in the audience. I said, no, you don't ever have to apologize to me. I said, God gave me the answer to this. It's for anybody who wants to use it as far as I'm concerned. I'm just saying here how that God gave me this personally and how much it means to me. I'm reading here from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. And this is speaking of David whenever he went out against Goliath. And it says that he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Now down in verse 49... It says this, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And then verse 50 says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. Now, I won't go any further on that for now. I'll come back to these scriptures in a few moments. I want to point out to you, though, the thing that puzzled me was why did David pick up five stones? He went down to that brook and he picked up stone. He was a, a marksman with the sling. You know, the thing that sling ran, it's not a slingshot because they didn't have rubber back then. They swirled around and they turned one end of it loose and they held to the other end and that rock would fly. He had become a marksman with that sling. He knew how to use it. He was very skilled at it. But, uh, but to go out against a, a giant, oh, nine and a half feet tall, and six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, that, I mean, this guy was mammoth. This is what the Bible says about him. And uh, this, this great, nobody else would go out and fight him, even with sword and shield and helmet and everything. They wouldn't fight this giant. But David went out against him with a sling, and when he went across the little brook, he picked up five stones. He took one, put it in the sling, and took the giant down. And I've said to myself, why did he pick up five? Did he know that one would do it? Why did he pick up five stones? And the Lord spoke to my heart on that trip down there and said, because he was committed to the battle. Now understand what I'm saying here. David did not know one stone would do it. He did not know two stones would do it. He did not know three stones would do it. But he was going to pick up five so that if he missed the first time, he'd go the second time. If he missed the second time, he'd go the third time. In other words, he wasn't going to throw one stone and run. You understand what I'm saying? David was committed to the battle. And he knew that he had to bring him down in five slings. And if he didn't bring him there, David probably wouldn't be around to even be telling the story because the giant would be on him. 
But he was committed to that battle. That's why he picked up five. And I realized, praise the Lord, that in our walk with God, we have to be committed to live for Jesus Christ with all of our heart. And folks, if there has ever been a time that you and I need to be committed 100% with our lives to Jesus Christ, it's the day and the hour in which we're living now. This is not a time to be halfway in the world and halfway in the church. It's not a time to be dilly-dallying around uh, with the world. And, you know, and uh, it's like one guy told me, oh, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. But he says, every evening I like my beer. You know, I like to drink my beer. And uh, I knew one guy that the doctor told him, said, if you'll drink a little wine every evening, it'll help you in your He's a Christian guy, so he started drinking a little wine every evening. Next thing you know, he kept drinking wine until he became an alcoholic. Became an alcoholic. He finally turned back to the Lord, but when he but he died early on and could have lived longer, but he had become an alcoholic when he had been a Christian because he began to dabble a little bit with these things out there. And uh, I know there's temptations. The devil's going to always present those to to us. But I want you to know this, there's a place where we have to say it, especially the day and the hour that we're living now, we have got to say, I am committed, praise the Lord, to live for God and to serve God and to walk with him. And I want to talk to you about the driving force behind that commitment, the driving force behind it, praise the Lord. Uh, I want you to look at Matthew 22 with me for just a moment. Let's see. I think I'm going to have you go. Yeah, Matthew. Look, no, let's go to Exodus. Uh, no, Matthew. I'm sorry. Let's go to Matthew 20, 22, 36. Look at this very closely here with us. Uh, this is where the disciples asked Jesus a question. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Everybody see that? What's the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And in the book of Mark, I think it is, or Luke, one of, I forget which one, it says also, and with all thy strength, which means physically, your physical body. All your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. And then he says in the 38th verse, This is the first and the great commandment. And then he adds 39, the second is like unto this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I'm not going to get into this. I spoke on that somewhat last week. But on this first commandment, love God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Because in doing that, we have the power to live for God and to walk with the Lord and to be able to withstand all of the pressures and the things of this world. But our commitment to Jesus Christ must be backed by a powerful love in us for God above everything else. Now, I'm going to read a scripture over here in Exodus for a moment. This is, uh, there's two chapters in the Bible that gives us the Ten Commandments. One is Exodus chapter 20, and the other is Deuteronomy chapter 5. Sometime if you ever want to read them there. Uh, they're pretty well the same, but they, they say the same things as far as the commandments are concerned. And uh, this is what it says. I'm reading here in Exodus chapter 20. And he mentions a couple, two, about, about three or four, uh, about two of the commandments. 
thou shalt have no other God before me and no images and so forth. Down verse 6. I'm going to read this one verse because this is our point here. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. The Lord is giving out these commandments and saying that he will show mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep my commandments because loving him is to keep his commandments. And to keep his commandments, we have to have that love of God in our hearts with, I mean, full and running over. I'm telling you folks here, I'm talking about the driving power behind commitment to be committed to serve God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that nothing will shake you loose from it. Amen. And so he lays all of these things out here in, uh, in this in Mark. Now, I'm going to also go over here to, to John. I want you to look at this verse of scripture here. I want you to go over to John with me. Uh, John 14. John 14. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he went into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And here he was then from there, went to Calvary, as you know, led into the trial and then from there into Calvary itself. And this is what Jesus said in John 14, 21. Look at this closely here. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now understand here the combination of these two things, love and keeping his commandments. The Lord didn't just say, you know, I'm going to love you and be with you and help you. He also said, I want you to keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. In other words, if you're going to love me, it's required of you to keep my commandments. I'm not talking about the Old Testament. No, I mean the New Testament here. The New Testament commandments, praise the Lord, is more to do with faith and more to do with the teachings of Jesus than it was those things of Moses. In Moses' time, the Lord even said there would be a prophet that would come after Moses. Him you will hear and him you will listen to. And it was Jesus Christ. Look at verse... uh, Look at verse 23. I'm still here in John 14. 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Look at that. If he love me, he'll keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. That's the spirit of God. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but it's the Father's which sent me. I'm just pointing out to you here that to keep the word of the Lord. I'm pointing out to you here something very important. That we have to have the love of God in our hearts. And we've got to have it mightily. And when we do have it, it will give us the power, praise the Lord, to be committed to walk with God and to serve him. And to keep his commandments and to keep his word and to walk with him with all of our heart. Praise the Lord. And the Lord wants us to obey him. He wants us to keep his word. Uh, It's not only in the gospel books, but it's also in the epistles. Tells us how to live for God, how to serve the Lord, how to worship, 
you know, how to walk with God, how to please God. It's all in the epistles telling us those things. And when we read them, we have to say, yes, God, you said it. I believe it. I'm going to keep it because I love you with all of my heart, soul, and mind, and strength. You see, there are some things, there are some things that are driven by love. And it requires commitment. When a couple gets, to, gets married, they love each other. And they stand at the altar together and they say, I do. Or do you promise to take care of her? He says to the man, provide for her, look after her. Until death do you part. That's a marriage. Yes. And then he says the same thing to the wife. Do you, you, know, do you, do you uh, agree, you know, choose, do you vow, pay these vows? That you will stay with him and you'll stay together. And so love brings them together. They're bound together, praise the Lord. And so they abide together because they love each other. But life in the, in the total run, it has all of its ups and downs. It has hard times. It has hard places. They will have arguments. They'll have disagreements. They'll have cross-ups. That'll happen all through life. But he remembers, I'm committed to her. And she remembers, I'm committed to him. And this is what it is in walking with God, praise the Lord. Because I love God and he loves me, I am committed to the Lord. I'm not going to say I'm going to walk out on God. I'm not going to walk away from the Lord. And today, more than ever before, we need to reestablish our total commitment to Jesus. And say, God, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to serve you, Lord. Even through the thick and thin, the tough and the hard places, we're going to abide together. Praise God. And uh, uh, years ago, uh, I read a book written by, uh, I read a, actually a book section in, in, a, in a magazine, in a Reader's Digest, I think it was, of an article, of a book section that uh, Charles Lindbergh's wife wrote. Now, Charles Lindbergh was the first man to cross the Atlantic Ocean uh, in an airplane. You, many of you know that's all in history, I think. It's, am I right in saying 1927? I could be wrong. I can't remember the day, but it seemed like that, seemed like that sticks in my mind. Anyhow, he flew across the Atlantic, was the first guy to ever fly across the Atlantic. And he and his wife, you know, dearly loved each other. They had a baby. And one night in their home, a man broke into their house. Up, climbed up a ladder up the stairs, got into the nursery, kidnapped the baby, brought it down and took it away and held the baby for a ransom. It was, you know, it was, brought, it was kidnapping. And uh, finally, Lim, the, the Limburg got the money together and everything, paid the ransom. And when they found the baby, the baby was dead. And it broke their heart, it crushed them, but they went on with their life. They went on with their life. They stayed out of the public eye as much as possible. It was a heartache they had to endure. They went on and had more children, had a family, went on in their life. Later on, after he had passed away, she wrote this book. And it was about the, uh, about the binding together of love that keeps people together through all the hardships and all the tough times and all the tough places. Praise the Lord. And she likened it unto seashells. Now listen to me very closely on this. She says that a young couple is like, uh, seashells are like this. They're hinged together and they sit and they look at each other like this. Across from each other, it closes and they open up. And they close and they open up. 
But she says the attachment at the bottom is very flimsy. It's very light. It can be broken very easily. But they, it's like two couples sitting at a table, dinner table, looking across the table in love with each other. Whether they've just been married, whether they are getting married or whatever, engaged or whatever it might be. And they're eating dinner together and they look across that table and they love each other. Praise the Lord. She said that's like this shell that she's talking about. But she says there's another seashell that I want to bring to your attention. And that's called the oyster shell. When you look at the oyster shell, it's rough, it's tough, it's all matted together. She said it's, it's one's built on another until oyster shells grow like this. And they're, they're, they're stuck all together. But she says they're tough and they hang together. They may not have the beauty of the sun shell, but she says they stick together. They abide together. And she says, that's what a marriage is all about. And she talked about a marriage. A marriage is sticking together and abiding together because the love, praise the Lord, is still there. But it's a different, maybe a different kind of love in the sense that it's commitment. It's commitment one to another and it's a commitment to it. When a couple has a baby, oh, that baby is so cute. They love that baby. Oh, he's so precious everything. But there comes time when that baby is sick. There comes times that the baby dirties his diaper. It's got to be changed. There's times when that baby starts growing up and he's got to be potty trained. That baby's got to be taught this and that. And what was such a beautiful little thing in their hands for a while becomes a responsibility. Then here comes another child. And then he's got to be taken care of. And next thing you know, there's these children in the home. And there's a responsibility. And you can't say, oh, I'm tired of this commitment. I'm I'm just tired of being committed to raising children. No, no, no. Because you love them, you continue to be committed to raise them and to bring them up uh, in the way, in the fear of God, as it would be as for a Christian. I'm just pointing out to you how that love is one of the most powerful things behind commitment. Praise the Lord. And God wants us to be committed, praise the Lord, to this way that he has established for us, that he doesn't want us to deviate from it or to veer away from it or to be in it, making a change in it. But God wants us to be committed by the love, praise the Lord, that's in our hearts for him to be serve him with all of our heart to the point, amen, that we'll not back down, that we'll not run, that we'll not cut out. And we'll say, oh, this is too much for me. I'm not going to live for God. I can't. Because, folks, in the hour and the day that we're living, we need to get very close to God. God is wanting to use the church. He's wanting to use us. He's wanting to use us to reach this world. There are people out there right now are scratching their head and wondering what's coming on the earth. What's going to happen? Where are we in all of this? You know. Is is it time for the Lord to come back? We've heard about it. A lot of people know that. And a lot of them are asking questions and they're wondering. And this is where we as a church cannot be like this. We've got to be solid. We've got to be sure. We've got to be prayerful. We've got to be, praise the Lord, saying, Lord, lead me to somebody who needs to hear the gospel. Lord, touch my heart and help me to know somebody I can testify to. And help them come to the Lord. 
because God is wanting to use the church in a mighty way. And if there's ever been a time that we need to be committed to Jesus Christ, it's the day and the hour now in which we're living. Let me show you something else here about, uh, about uh, David, David and Goliath. Uh, I'm going to go back to that from that 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. I'm going to show you something here about David in this. And uh, this is, I'm just picking out a few verses here to show you how the Goliath tried to intimidate Israel by mocking them about their God and who they were. And this is what infuriated David. It didn't infuriate anybody else. It did David though. And here's 1 Samuel 17, 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Notice that. He defied the armies. Everybody was greatly afraid. Now, David, when he heard that, he was moved by it. He asked some questions. This is reading over now in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice here that his point was that this was the army of God. And David was saying, I love God and God has been my friend and I'm a friend of God. And there's one scripture that says that David, praise the Lord, sought God with all of his heart and he was a man after God's own heart. And so when this man was insulting the army of the living God, it wasn't just an army he was insulting, it was God's army, God's people. And David got a little bit disturbed by that. And so over another verse over here in verse 36, thou servant blew both the lions, he was telling now, uh, telling Saul why, why he is able to go out and fight this giant and why he can do it. He said, thy servant, talking about himself, slew both the lion and the bear. Verse 20, 36 I'm reading. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Notice how many times that this is all brought out in here. That he had defied the armies of the living God. And uh, look in verse 45. This is when he went out against Goliath. And Goliath laughed at him, mocked at him, and said, you little shrimp. He said, I'll feed you to the buzzards. And this is what David said in verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Notice here, he didn't come there in behalf of the army. He came there in behalf of the God of that army. I'm telling you that David never had anybody to tell him that he should go out and fight Goliath. He never had a voice that came out of heaven and said, David, go fight Goliath. He never had an angel appear to him and said, David, go fight Goliath. Nobody told him, but it was in his heart. What was in his heart? The fact that this guy was against God's army, God's people. And I'm telling that you and I, praise the Lord, need to stand up in this hour, the day that we're in, and say, Jesus, we're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for the things of God. 
We're going to stand for the people of God. We're going to stand for the word of God. We're going to stand for the spirit of God. I uh, heard on the TV the other day, it shocked me. Some national news, I think it's one of them night, night news guys. I just saw it in a comment on TV. And it was just a flash. I didn't see, I wasn't watching the show or not. I just watched it on a flash on a, on a news broadcast on the TV. And the guy was talking about this new judge that's been appointed now that's got to be voted on and so forth. It says she is, uh, she is Catholic. I mean, she's really into this Christianity. I mean, she is really there. I mean, then he went on to say, I mean, speaking in tongues and everything. I said, speaking in tongues? This guy's talking about us. I mean, he was like, you know, speaking in tongues and everything, you know. I'm telling you, folks, this is world that we're living in, America that we're living in. I believe there's going to be a rise of this anti-church, anti-Christian, anti-righteous spirit. Are we ready, praise the Lord, to stand up to it and say, I'm committed to walk with God and to serve the Lord and to speak for Jesus Christ and uphold the things of the Lord with all of my heart. We have to be ready for that. And the way we're ready for it, praise the Lord, is commitment to it. And the commitment is going to be based on Jesus. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all of my heart. That's why prayer is going to be very important. Just talking to God and spending time with the Lord. Amen. Whether you're on your knees, whether you're walking, whether you're sitting down, it doesn't matter as long as we just talk to God. Praise the Lord on a consistent basis and say, Lord, I love you. I want to spend time with you. Let me just say this about the oyster shell and the sunrise shell. Every couple knows there's times when you got to get back a little bit to the sun, the sunrise shell. No matter how many children you have and no matter how much life is, you got to say, you know, let's go out and have dinner together and let's just spend some time together, just you and me. And we all know that. And there's time that we have to be that way with Jesus. We have to say, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. Amen. You know that I love you by the way I live and by the way I serve you and walk with you and all the things that we go through and the things that we commit ourselves to do. But also, I just want to tell you from my heart, I still love you. Hallelujah. I still worship you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Praise the Lord. And then David, of course, went out again. Let me finish reading here and then I'm going to move on. I've got something else I want to talk, show you here in the scriptures along the same line. But look at this uh, 46th verse in 1 Samuel 17. This is David now, whenever he said to Goliath, uh, you have defied the armies of the living God. He said in verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the year than to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, he was defending God. (coughs) And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And of course, needless to say, David took up the stone, went out and slew the giant, and he died. And then David... (laughs) David took the sword, giant's own sword, stone sucked into it, it actually cracked into his head, knocked him out cold, cracked his skull. And David didn't spend no more time 
seeing if he's dead and looking at him and checking his pulse, I think he took his sword and whacked his head off, picked up his head and held it up where all the Philistines could see it and all Israel could see it, that he had prevailed over the Jews. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit further because God wants us to love him beyond everything, folks. I want to tell you about an experience. I want you to go with me, if you would, to... Uh, to St. John chapter 21. Look at this very closely. I'm going to refer to a couple of experiences I've had here concerning this verse. And uh, I'm going to read this 15th, 21, 15. When when, uh, this is whenever Jesus had resurrected from the dead and Peter and the disciples said, we go fishing. And they all went fishing and fished all night, caught no fish. And Jesus appeared on the shore. And he said, you know, do you have any food? And they said, no. He said, cast your nets on the other side. And they did. And they had more fish than they could pull in. And when they did finally pull them in, it was 153 of them. 153. I had a, uh, a guide in Israel, Jewish guide, who was not a Christian. Jewish guy. Jewish guide said to me, said to us, said to our group, he said, you know how many fish that was brought in? And I spoke and I said, yeah, 153, because I remembered it was in the scripture here. He said, do you know what the numerical number 153 is in the Hebrew, what it says in words? We said, no. He said, it says, I am God. He said, I'll leave that with you. Jesus, he was saying, by 153 fish in the numerical, and that's that goes back to the the number of his name, 666, I'll get into that later on sometime, but I'll talk to you about that. The number and how letters and numbers match up in, in Latin, in Greek, and in Hebrew. I won't get into all of those things, but talk to you a little bit about it and how that ties in with Scripture. Anyhow, staying with this subject, 153 fish that he had caught, and then this is what he said in verse 15. So when they had dined, they, Jesus, they came in and they sat down together. Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas... Lovest thou me more than these? Notice here the love factor again. And he said unto him, Yes, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto me, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love these and feed my sheep. The third, the third time, 17, he saith unto him, The third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my lambs. Three times the Lord said that. Notice here that with the love, that was a requirement of commitment. Love of commitment. Uh, Many years ago, I was a Bible school student in St. Paul, Minnesota, ABI. I had gone first year and second year. And man, it was a struggle. And I worked part-time, just enough money to pay my bills. And maybe, had, I cannot tell you what, how few clothes. I think I had, I had, I mean, I had, I didn't even have enough clothes hard to go through a week's worth of clothes. We had to wear a suit and tie every day and a white shirt. And I had, I think, about four changes of clothes, suits clothes. Uh, they weren't all suits. Two of them were suits and one was, anyhow, I won't get into all that. But when I came back home, or after in Miami, after having been uh, in school up there for two years, I was so poor, I was tired of being poor. Now, 
Stay with me on this. I was tired of being poor. You know, I wanted things. And uh, my dad was a foreman for this contractor in Miami. And uh, he said, I'll get you a job on here, uh, you know, as a working as an apprentice, learning how to stucco and stuff. I worked a bunch of other, but we knew how to do it. We didn't know all, we didn't, hadn't spent enough time with a union outfit. And, uh, and my dad also said, I'll also get you top dollar because you're my son. I said, okay, thanks, dad. Well, the guy that hired me said, all right, Myers, the trouble with you is that whenever fall comes, you're going to go back to school and leave me. And I put all this investment in you and you're going to be leaving. I said, no, I promise you, I won't go back to fall this year. Now, I had gone two years. I had another year to go to get graduated. I actually went four years and graduated after three and four years. But this was my, to the end of my second year. I said, no, I promise you, I won't go back because I really needed to work. I want to make, I want a phonograph. I want a new camera. I want all kinds of things. He said, okay. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll work for six months and then I'll go up around January after Christmas and I'll be in what they call the B class. You know, it'd be like a half a year behind and uh, that kind of a thing. I was trying to figure it all out. But I want to go back and style new clothes and I want to have a nice phonograph. I could play records and music in my dormitory room and have a camera like this. Had a little box camera that my mother gave me that she'd won in a raffle or something. Now I had it. I want to want to, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I was there. And I said, okay, I'll, uh, I, won't, I won't go back. So I worked all summer. And so it was about, about uh, way on over, about middle of the summer, I went out and bought a baby blue Cadillac. Well, I was really going to get in style, boy. I was tired of being poor. I made a baby blue Cadillac. Yeah, I mean, it was about five years old, but it would ran good. It was a Cadillac, you know, and everything. We had a lot of fun. We drove all around with it and everything. And it came close to me going back to school, and it was time for me to go back. And one night, I knelt down by my bed, and I said my prayers before I jumped in bed. And the Lord spoke to my heart just as clear as if it was audible, folks. And he said, lovest thou me? more than these lovest thou me and I said I I blurted out loud yes Lord you know I love you you know I love you when I said it I realized that this was coming from this scripture I didn't realize it at first I just heard the Lord say lovest thou me more than these I said yes Lord you know I adore and I heard him say again feed my land feed my sheep no feed my sheep it wasn't lambs feed my sheep Well, I knew I wasn't in the ministry, but that's what I was studying for. Man, I broke down and I cried. And I said, Lord, all right, all right. I got to go back. I know it. I'm going back. I'll go back. If you'll open the door and make a way, you know, I got this car on my hands. I've committed myself to work for this guy. I don't have any money saved to go back. I have no way of going. And did you know when I went to work Monday, there was a guy who asked my father, Whose blue Cadillac is that car? She says, that's my son's. He said, I wonder if he'd be interested in selling it. And so my dad asked me about it, and he asked me about it, and I said, noontime, I said, if you just take over the payments, you can have it, because I hadn't paid all nothing down on it. 
You just take over the payments and more payment. It was, it was, it was more old than what it was worth. I think I said, just take over the payments it's yours. He said, let's do it at noon for on our job. We went down to a car dealer and signed over the papers and I signed it over to him at noon on Monday. Wow. I said, I got rid of the car. Hallelujah. The next day on Tuesday, I was sitting around on the floor at lunchtime, eating lunch with all of these young men. And this boss man walked in. And he said to one of them, Tom, he said, is the draft after you? He said, yes, sir. He said, you might as well go ahead on get in the army and go ahead and serve your time out. The draft, they had the draft back then those days. He said, it's another guy. He said, Willie, draft after you. He called out about three or four of them, said, you might as well go on and serve. He said, I don't want nobody just hanging around here. The draft's going to be taking them. And then he looks at me and said, Myers, you might as well go on back to school, too. Just like that, he released me. I said, thank you, Jesus. That was on Tuesday. Wednesday, when I went to church Wednesday night, a couple in the church says, Brother Myers, we are driving almost up to St. Paul, up to Iowa. And if you will go with us, we pay for the gas, everything. All you have to do is just help us drive back. And I said, it's a deal. I'll do that. All I had was the check at the end of the week. I packed up my clothes and I went back because the Lord has spoken to my heart. Now, listen to me closely. I got just a few minutes to tell you this. About eight years ago, I was invited back to Miami to speak their anniversary service in that church. Brother Hattaball is the pastor there. Their anniversary service. I was invited back. I preached in the morning service. That afternoon in Miami now, the same place that I had had that experience where God had talked to my heart, lovest thou me more than these in the scriptures. That afternoon, I was praying and I was reading the scripture and I remembered that I, the Lord had spoken that to my heart in that city many years ago. And uh, I said, he said, lovest thou me more than these? Or did he say, lovest thou these more than me? I said, oh, they're the same one way or the other. Six, what, six one way happened, doesn't it, the other? I said, or are there? And I, I went to the Bible and I looked at it and they're not the same. He says this, lovest thou me more than these? He didn't say, lovest thou these more than me? If he had said, you love these more than me, then Peter could have said, no, Lord, I don't love these more than the, and so Jesus and these things would have been on an equal par. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus didn't say it like that. Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these. You understand? And I was reminded that we've got to love Jesus more than the world, more than things. Not just we can't have anything above Jesus. No, no. We got to have Jesus above everything. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And that night in the service, I spoke on that in the evening service. God just gave it to me. And I, and I just want to tell you here today, and I know my time is getting away, but I just want to just talk to you from my heart, folks. This is a day and an hour in which that we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Lovest thou these Lovest thou me more than these? Jesus wants to know that today. He said to Peter, lovest thou me? And he said that three times to him, three times. Lovest thou me more than these? Feed my lambs. And Peter 
felt bad because he felt like the Lord. But but Peter had went out and said, I'm going to go fishing. I, I'm tired of just sitting around waiting to see what Jesus is going to do. I'm going to go do my own thing. The Lord said, no, no. What I'm going to do is have you teach and preach and be a shepherd of my sheep and so forth. I'm telling you, God wants to use all of you. He wants to use you in the kingdom. He wants to use us in the kingdom of God. He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to talk to people. He wants us to be committed to him. He wants us to have a prayer life. He wants us to be faithful unto him. Praise the Lord. He wants us to draw nigh unto him. And if we will draw nigh unto him, he said, I'll draw nigh unto you. And God, praise the Lord, is going to do a great work in these last days, but his coming is very soon. And he's wanting to do what he needs to do or wants to do in these last days. And we are the church of the last day, folks. And it's not long the Lord is coming back. So let's let God use us. Let's be a prayerful person. Let's be a people on fire for God, walking with God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God will indeed, praise the Lord, use us and bless us for his glory, for his kingdom, for his power. And one day we'll walk on streets of gold. Hallelujah. Let's stand together and let's praise God and glorify his name. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for your presence, power, your spirit, your grace, your goodness to us. Bless this congregation. Bless our morning service that's coming up in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. God bless you. Everyone remain standing if you would.